In the early 1800s, a family in northern Tennessee began to experience a paranormal nightmare. They were plagued by a spirit who continually harassed, belittled, and even attacked them. These detailed experiences were shared by many, so today, we're covering one of America's most prolific ghost stories, the Bell Witch Haunting. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to Red Web, the podcast all about mysteries, the paranormal, the supernatural, sometimes cryptids, and sometimes aliens. I'm your resident mystery enthusiast to dissect this mystery in front of your very ears, Trevor Collins, joining me hearing this mystery for the very first time, bringing his gut instinct and his psychic abilities, maybe, question mark, Alfredo Diaz. Okay, his head is spinning around now, and I think he's vomiting pea soup. I can't... Maybe that the exorcist is here. Wild energy to start the morning. <laughs> I uh, I was stretching my neck. We got, got producer. Hold on. And then we I got producer. We got producer Christian in on the mess before you. Yeah. <laughs> For the first time, you drew him out. <laughs> this, uh, like, all, obviously, there's a terrifying aspect to this, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're being terrorized in your own home. I will say though, and maybe it's just the energy I have this morning, but I feel like. This is a type of uh, haunting that would piss me off. Oh? Yeah, I feel like I get angry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if it's, like, trying to, like, scratch me, hit me, go after, like, my my significant other, like, let alone, like, my two corgis. Yeah. At that point, like, I don't know, man. I'm setting up an impromptu boxing ring, and I'm trying to go nine rounds. You know what I mean? I'm, antagon- I'm antagonizing it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe throw on some like holy water onto the boxing gloves. See what see what <laughs> yeah, works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Salt the ring. I don't know. You know, man. Like, you know that LeBron James like chalk thing. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> you do that with salts. Yeah, with salts. Yeah, yeah. You give them a couple slaps. You know. Yeah. Listen, it's only human natural to want to slap a ghost, and I think as we got we get into this one, you're mm-hmm. gonna realize there's a lot of vivid details, a lot of stories. Oh, I like that. And you're going to realize that this ghost, too, wants to go nine rounds with a few people in particular. <laughs> it's got beef with particular it does. people. This is a really, really interesting ghost story, or should I say kind of paranormal story. Yeah. There are witch elements in it. But man, I really enjoyed reading over this one because it is what a lot of ghost stories miss, which is shared experiences of a uh, lot of different people over a yeah. long period of time. See, now we're very interested to hear if the shared experiences are outside of the household. Oh, and they are. We have an, an a, before he was president, but an actual president involved in this one. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. Okay. It gets in there. Well, I like that. Oh, yeah. And before we begin, I want to give a shout out to our first members. This is a way to support this show. $5.99 a month. You get this show ad free. And with that, you get special discounts on our merch. You accrue points. There's a whole point system on our store.roosterteeth.com area. Also, little surprise announcements, Case Files is coming back. We're bringing it back bi-weekly and first members will get an exclusive bonus episode every other week. So if you're a first member, you're going to get it every week in perpetuity. No seasons anymore. We're just keeping that puppy rolling. So yeah, if you want to support this show among all the other things we do here at Rooster Teeth, please become a first member. Redwebpod.com slash first. So thank you in advance if you want to sign up for first and support Red Web in that way. 
And just a quick heads up to any existing first members, that 24-hour windowing will be going away, unfortunately, as we focus in more on this Patreon model and offering more exclusives to you guys and more community bonding here with the task force. So again, that 24-hour windowing will be going away, but let's continue into the Bell Witch Haunting story. And as always, before we dive in, just want to point to the description of the podcast where you can find some of today's sensitive topics. Let's begin taking you back to 1804. John and Lucy Bell relocated their family from North Carolina to a 320-acre piece of land he bought in northern Tennessee. Their house sat near the Red River in Robertson County, near the modern-day border to Kentucky in the city of Adams. The Bellwitch Cave, located on their property, is only about 0.2 miles from this river. We're going to talk about that a little later. The main source for the details of the Bellwitch hauntings comes from Martin Van Buren Ingram's book, The Authenticated History of the Bell Witch, which was published in 1894. I'm going to give you a dissection now mm-hmm. because we are spanning the years. That's 90 years from yeah. the move to a publication in a book. Before that, though, one of the first written accounts of this haunting came from the journals of John R. Bell, an unrelated bell, by the way, during his expedition to explore the Great Plains with Stephen H. Long and this was in 1820. Bell wrote of rumors of a young girl followed by a voice who told her to marry a neighbor. The first known news source to write about the haunting was the Saturday Evening Post and American Magazine in 1856, which is likely where Ingram heard of the story. Within Ingram's book was a manuscript titled Our Family Trouble, purportedly written by Richard Bell, who was six at the time the haunting began. So little hairy on the backstory here, but it started as rumor, caught wind in someone's journal, made it then into the Post, an American magazine, which then informed the author of a book. So this this story begins to span the 70 or so years. Yeah, but then it started picking up like wildfire over the years. Mm -hmm. And it started reaching people with louder voices, essentially. Yeah, it started to grow from rumor to journal to to magazine, the newspaper, to the world. Jeez. And so I wanted to give that background because like with many mysteries, we know a lot is lost to time. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be forthcoming about how this grapevine unwinds. But man, are there a lot of grapes on this vine. I think the thing too is like, since it hit publications as well, I don't know. It kind of just seems like, like sure, people are going to put their spins on it. You know, that disclaimer that we always talk about. But I just feel like they're would be less details lost the time or at least you'd think there would be mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. it's hit publications and stuff like that and just newspapers were printed at that point or whatnot absolutely but with that said let's dive back into time taking you back to 1817 where we're going to begin the unveiling of the haunt and this starts with john senior the head of the household he saw a strange animal with the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit He shot at this strange creature multiple times before it then disappeared. John Sr. actually wasn't the only person who saw something strange around the property. His son Drew saw a large, strange bird, and his daughter Betsy saw a girl in green hanging from the trees. Dean, who was enslaved by the Bells, reported that he and his wife were followed by a black dog. Soon after these initial sightings, the Bell family heard the sound of banging or beating on their walls at night. Every evening, the sound seemed to get even louder, and when they stepped outside to try to catch whoever was making this noise, no one would be there. 
The Bell children were scared at night and heard the sound of rats gnawing at their bedposts in addition to these bangings on their walls. And sometimes they were said to wake up to someone pulling their covers off and they would look around the room to see nobody but their pillows strewn about the room. This seems like a very active spot for, you know, just spectral energy. Absolutely. Um, and everyone's experiencing that, which is unfortunate, but I think very interesting. Because, and then on top of that, everyone's getting different kind of like visions. Yeah, like different animals, you know, like, like and people as and well. People. I will say, just imagine the POV of like you in your dark room laying down your pillow, covers get ripped, and you're just like looking down, and it's just like Ooh. the 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 cliff fall of all the bed edges around you. I just, I'd be panicked. Yeah. What do you do? Like, do you bolt for the door? You know what I mean? Yeah, Do right. You stay there. That is pure terrifying to me. Yeah. Like, if I were in bed, listen, the ghoul rules are simple and clear. When you're in your bed, if you keep your feet and arms away from the edge of the bed, you can't be grabbed. But if they're breaking the rules, ripping those sheets off, you're exposed. Oh, God. Just imagine, like, a hand come out from oh. the bottom and oh. then, like... You got a ball up in the middle. They can't reach. Oh, uh, but yeah. But then, like, what do you do? You're balled up in the middle. Uh-huh. Hand comes, you know what I mean, on the bottom right, right. of the bed. And then all of a sudden, you just see the silhouette of a head. Oh, uh, right? You're, you're gross. And then just the eyes oh. glow a tiny <laughs> bit. You're just <laughs> unveiling a terrifying story in front of our eyes. <laughs> Not even, like, eyes. Just two white dots that oh, glimmer just a little just bit. Just the reflection of just, a candle yeah. light somewhere. Uh, or the moon. Uh, it's it's like over. A, you start saying your prayers. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's when you start kicking. Start thrashing. <laughs> Jesus. That's like one of those stories when you like, you see an arm and you go, uh, you look under the bed to see, is there something under there? Oh, hell, I ain't looking under the bed. You, you brave. You see two feet stood up on the other side of the bed Jesus. and then you come back up and there's no one there. They're just ghost stories at this point. And then you it's turn around and it's behind story. you. This is also terrifying. Right. Well, that's the thing. This story is so detailed and so vivid. You can't help but like think of all the ghost stories you've ever heard of because it has yeah. a little bit of all of it. So these eerie experiences only got even more real when the bells began hearing voices, sometimes the sounds of a woman singing. Just like the banging on the walls at night, these voices grew louder and began becoming more coherent, at times beginning to speak directly to them. The voices would do things like singing hymns, reading scriptures, gossiping, and even talking, like I said, directly to the family, saying things like, quote, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. This spirit then claimed to be, quote, a spirit from everywhere, heaven, hell, the earth, am in the air, the houses, any place at any time, have been created millions of years. This spirit even shouted at the bell's slaves and insulted almost everyone in the farmhouse. It also attacked the slaves and sometimes did not allow them to leave their house on the property. The apparition at one point claimed its name to be Kate, which we will explore further in the theory section. But when I say Kate moving forward, that's kind of synonymous now with this spirit. So Kate made one thing very clear. She hated John Sr. It's unknown exactly what made her hate John Sr., but supposedly Kate said, quote, Mr. Bell is a bad man. Kate also singled out Bell's 12-year-old daughter, Betsy. I knew it. I was like, are the people singled out going to be one of them a child? Damn. Yep. Kate hated Bell because Bell owned slaves. Piece of work. 
piece of work and you're going to leave it at that. He you took know. himself away from the microphone. <laughs> I looked away from the yeah. mic. I was like, mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Kate was singling out Betsy and Betsy herself had many physical run-ins with the spirit. She was slapped. Her hair was often pulled and she was prone to fainting spells, but not because the spirit disliked Betsy, as in the case with John Sr. Instead, Kate disapproved of Betsy's engagement to a neighbor, Joshua Gardner. Now, this is where I want to point out an inconsistency that points to the kind of long path of this story hitting publication, right? So interestingly, as I mentioned earlier, the article from the Saturday Evening Post claimed that Kate told Betsy to marry a neighbor. In this case, we're hearing the the opposite, where she was kind of being punished to say, do not marry the neighbor, and that Kate, the spirit, would not leave until she called off this marriage. So with regards to this article, Ingram, who wrote the book, claims that the article was not truthful, that it had it wrong, that clearly the story was about ending the marriage, not starting one. Kate's hauntings were not confined to the farmhouse when it came to Betsy in particular. It would follow her and Gardner when they attempted to go on dates, go on walks. It would do things like taunt them. When Betsy wanted a rest from Kate, she attempted a sleepover at a neighbor's house, but instead the banging transferred over to that house while she was staying there. The banging on the walls at night, Kate's voice was following. Basically, anywhere Betsy went, this activity went with her. Yeah, latched on. See, that's the thing I've come to realize over the many episodes of doing Red Web. Where When I first got into this, it was, okay, just move, get out of there. Leave, run. Leave. Yeah. But come to realize that they can latch on or, you know, so they say, and then just follow you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. That sucks. That's when you get that out your really sucks. Your dripping wet boxing gloves covered That's in holy insane. water. You start swinging you, away. You start yelling to the sky. What are you waiting for? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come at me. You just listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna tease something to come. You are not that far off <laughs> of what someone's plan was. <laughs> the president's plan, by the way. What? Yeah. I, I'm telling you, man, this gut instinct, it's, I think you're feeding him the outlines. That's, what, that's pretty wild because, yeah, I just went into it with that energy. <laughs> yeah. The president's about to box the hell out of this ghost. In a way, in a way. But jumping to the point here, Kate's aggressive behavior towards Betsy and her fiance was so bad that Betsy did in fact call off her engagement. This haunting followed her so closely and scared her so much that she said, I need to leave my loving relationship because of what's happening. You get haunted that bad, you go leave your, would you leave your significant other? If it was to protect them, and that's how I've genuinely felt at that time, I feel like I would have to. Same. How about you, Christian? Yeah, unfortunately, same. Yeah. Good, you passed the imagine test. Imagine if you were only, yeah. Imagine <laughs> if, I'm glad to hear it. Imagine, so we all said, yeah, to protect them. But mm-hmm. imagine, cruel world, that we're the only ones getting haunted and we're the only ones that are experiencing it. And imagine going to your significant other and be like, look, I'm being haunted, terrorized. Yeah. They say they're coming after you. We have to break up for your own protection. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude. I would probably <laughs> seek some assistance. I'd probably seek some external guidance. Oh, I'd, yeah, for sure. And then I would realize that my partner married a ghost later on, and, and I would be like, I was vindicated. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. Why are you marrying a ghost? It would be such a hard situation. <laughs> no, yeah. Now, counter to these previous experiences, the, the spirit Kate clearly favored Belle's wife, Lucy. Kate was said to bring Lucy fruits, and at one point said Lucy was, quote, the most perfect woman to walk the earth. 
Now, despite their terrifying experiences, the Bells kept the haunting to themselves, likely out of fear that they would be ostracized by their Baptist community. Now, this was only a very short 125 years after Salem. I say that both sarcastically, but also truthfully. Yeah. There's a lot of memories, strong memories, that came down generationally from the Salem witch trials. Yeah, you're only a handful of generations, Mm -hmm. you know, after the Salem witch trials. So you still... That doesn't just stop instantly. Like right. It bleeds into other generations passed on from like grandfathers and yeah. grandchildren and whatnot. And so you, it's just, you don't want to sit there and say, I've been smelling ghosts. And they're like, yeah. all right, we're going to burn you to test yeah, you. Like, that's uh, true. Okay, pass. Yeah. So as I mentioned, this is not just a situation that's impacting the immediate family. Now, while we don't have exact dates, as time went on, the spirit expanded its attacks to people outside the Bell household. Eventually, John Sr. revealed his troubles to his neighbor and his closest friend, James Johnston. Johnston and his wife stayed the night at the house to see if they experienced the same troubles as the Bells. As soon as they went to bed, Kate pulled off their covers and slapped them. (laughs) Gee! Whoosh! Slap! That's just disrespectful. Right. Johnston shouted in that moment, quote, In the name of the Lord, who are you and what do you want? The spirit did not respond though the rest of the night was quiet and peaceful. Johnston was unable to do anything for the family, but told them that they were experiencing an, quote, evil spirit, the kind that the Bible talks about. Story of the Bell's hauntings spread throughout their community, and people came over to the farmhouse to witness it for themselves. Brave, but yeah. I mean, honestly, though, would you do it? I wouldn't do it, but I would encourage people to stay you know I mean? Hey, you go over there. Well, it, verify. It's just like it's just more uh, one. I could test like, is it what is there different age restraint? Like you know what I mean? Whatever. Oh, like seven year old. You going after a seven year old? You know what I mean? Like you put a person, a, just a specimen of every age in there. You just start experimenting. It's kind of unfortunate, but these people are willing to anyways. Right. And but then also the main part is just so people can be like, look, see what I mean? Right. Like I'm not. The, I'm not the wild one here. Like, this is actually happening. Yeah. Go in, stay the night, get slapped. I love the idea of this becoming a little, like, Airbnb. <laughs> like, come on in, pay us a buck, spend the night, get slapped, go tell your neighbor. <laughs> Spread the news. That's good marketing. You know what is wild? If you can guarantee something like that nowadays, you'd make so much money. Yeah, 100%. People would pay bank to go and experience a haunt. Yeah. Well, I mean, we cooling te- people in the task force, y'all, wild. Yeah, I mean, we've even teased it on this show. We we were going to go to either for the Halloween special, which yeah. is approaching. Yeah, I can smell October around the corner. We were going to oh. go to the Conjuring House or the USS Hornet, both amazing locations. But to basically back up what you're saying, the Conjuring House has been booked since before we even began looking at it, all the way through into November. People yeah. are trying to get slap scratched and possessed. <laughs> yeah. 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 People are like, I'm booking my my slapping. <laughs> Dude, I, I wanted to play hide and seek with that ghost so much. I wanted to pull out a candle and have it go <laughs> and have the candle go out. Oh, I wanted that. Dude, I'd be gone so fast. <laughs> I'd be gone so fast. You would not see me on this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, unless Apple reviews cross five thousand in number. 
then then you're contractually obligated. Then I am locked in. That's true. We are doing a, a review push on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. 4,000. Yeah, dude. We've got you. like 10,000 on Spotify. Yeah. Trying to get that Apple game up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Four, Task Force. 4,000 for you five, to stay tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 5,000, well, you and know, they're cruising at in. a new location because the Conjuring one's booked. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 5,000 for me and a whopping 5,001 for Christian. <laughs> well, it's huge. It's, and that's, and that's honestly if USS Hornet will allow it. Yeah. Because. I swear to, But if not, we'll figure out something I to make up for it. Where to G-O-D if that thing stops at 5K <laughs> task force. Why do you swear on dogs? <laughs> 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 Sorry, a mental typo. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm very excited, and I'm very excited to drag you in with me. But coming back to the Bells haunting, I'm so, God, I'm so enamored with this, and I'm hanging on the precipice of this next revelation. All right, so we've now got people flooding to this house to experience it themselves, to validate the rumors, to see if they'll get slapped. Maybe their kids are going to get scratched. I don't know. But the Bell haunting story spread far enough that at the time, future president General Andrew Jackson reportedly became interested. Now, he actually fought in the Battle of New Orleans in 1815 alongside some of Bell's sons. So he kind of knew of the family and happened to own property along the very same river, Red River. Jackson and his men visited the Bell's home to see Kate for themselves. As they arrived near the house, one of Jackson's wagons would not move. It simply just stopped, locked up. And no matter how much they tried to encourage the horse to move, they would yell at it, try to push it, it coax it forward, the horse would just not budge. One of the men even said, quote, By the eternal boys, this is the witch. To which Kate's voice, the spirit herself, responded, quote, All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you tonight. And immediately, the wagon began moving on its own. Jackson had brought several men, but specifically a self-proclaimed witch hunter who claimed that a silver bullet would kill Kate. So much like you're saying with the boxing match, he's thinking that a couple of desk pops are going to end this thing. I just... What, are you going to fire wildly throughout the house? Yeah. How many silver bullets do you bring? One and hope? I just... Some... Man. Jackson got... Got got. This person's like, yeah... I hunt stuff. <laughs> for sure. He's, he's there in the classifieds going, witch hunter? Excellent. Yeah. And it's just a man. I, I like to think at this point it's kind of turned into like a really like terrible uh, Hollywood movie. You're seeing Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. Absolutely. Are you it's, talking about when the man sell, swings an axe so hard that he fells a tree in one swoop? <laughs> yeah, good, dude, I know that. Good old Lincoln. I know that. That's what he did. That's historically accurate. Um, and I know that because I'm from Indiana where he lived one time. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think the wild thing is that just like, I don't know, like in my head, the way I envision this is just he wants to like get in there and ensue conflict, right? So, like, when you tell me the carriage stop, first off, it's a little wild. The Kate's like, okay, general, mm-hmm, calling mm-hmm. him out by name and just like, go on, I'll see you. That's just so, like, you know how we talk about, like, the, there's a theory that, like, yeah, sure, there are ghosts, but, like. The, like a dimensional sort of thing. Yeah, like a, a dimensional. thing. Like, there's, like, a dimension or, like, maybe a, a, a time rift yeah. where ghosts and spirits 
can be parallel with the current day, time, et cetera. Sure. But they just don't have enough energy to actually pierce the veil. Yeah. Um, I like how this one just throws everything out the window. Like, Kate's got all the energy in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate's a reactor. Yep. Because just doing everything, talking to anyone, going anywhere. And these stories pretty, are not just, like, centered on one person or one yeah, group. It, a, a lot, lot of people, people have these reactive responses yeah i'm just wondering where this voice is emanating from but yeah continue please uh, so at that point i just kind of think in my head like just picture the general just the cart stops they're trying to get all that kate comes says some stuff mm-hmm. dips and the general's just like and so it begins yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, this yeah. guy is the kind of guy that seems like he's just ready for it yep and he goes all right and he goes weird yeah you just hear the cocking of a shotgun and he goes we put silver pellets in this right <laughs> I think that this is why, I mean, we're going to get there. Obviously, it's called the bell witch haunting. And so we have the witch word in there. And we're going to talk about that as we get into the theories section. But yes, that is one of the things that draws me so much to this story is how reactive and how just active in general this entity is. These experiences are. It's wild to me. So now the spirit said, see you tonight. Let's talk about it. Later that night when they heard Kate's voice once again, Jackson commanded his witch hunter to shoot, but he couldn't. He was stopped, stunned, feeling as though someone had grabbed his nose and covered his entire body with painful needles. In the end, Jackson wanted to stay longer, but business back in Nashville pulled his attention away. I really would have loved to see an alternate history where Jackson stayed there to, yeah, like maybe this should be a movie where Jackson hunts down this entity. And then he goes on to run, and his campaign is Witch Hunter, Andrew Jackson, the yeah. president. Also, man, this this damn, like, witch slayer or whatever the hell, uh-huh. it's just full of BS. Right. There's nothing I, on this resume that's right. jumping out to me. He goes, I'm a self-proclaimed witch hunter, and I can't move! Right. Needles! I just see Jackson over there with his witch hunter that's solid, lied-about resume. Yeah. And he's just like, just give me that gun. He, the haunting starts, and he's just like, Clayton, let it rip. And then Clayton's just like, I'm frozen. I can't move. And I'm just like, she got me by the nose. I feel it in my bones. And I'm just like, come on, man. You know that guy's full of BS, bro. Seriously. It just like, it's melting my brain. Like, saying just the most dumb, outlandish stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, silver bullets for a ghost? Where do you get that? I, did Jackson not question this man? Where'd you get that from? Where's that theory from? Oh, you don't you don't ask. You're not a winch hunter. You wouldn't under you wouldn't understand. Yeah, yeah. not his profession. So that's Andrew Jackson's story. Hello there, Task Force. It is Trevor again with that pause in the episode to talk directly to you about what's going on with Red Web. Jillian's here. She's waving. Hello. I mentioned first at the top of the show, I also mentioned case files, but again, first is very important to us. Again, it is kind of our Patreon model. It is the number one way to support this show, and you get it commercial free, you get some bonus exclusives that I've talked about, and as this show kind of gets into the case files era and starts to expand into next year, we will be more vocal about the extra benefits that you'll have, the Discord access that you can get, and all of these sort of things, but... Again, if you want to support, get that ad-free version of Red Web, redwebpod.com slash first. We also have a Halloween shirt, Squonk, it is not a cult. If you got it early, hey, you got it with a typo, good for you. It says, I'm not a cult, and <laughs> that's good. 
<laughs> it wasn't me, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jillian spotted it. So full credit, no apologies needed. Full credit to Jillian. It says, Squonk, it's not a cult now. So if you got one of those early ones, just consider it a special edition. It's actually, I'm definitely not in a cult. So. Oh, well, there you go. This is kind of like a, a full sentence typo on my part. Shows you how well I can read. It's definitely not a cult, and I'm definitely not in a cult. It says one of those two things. <laughs> Maybe it'll say both of those things. To just firmly establish, nothing says you're not in a cult like doubling down with two sentences that say you're not in a cult, nor is the thing that I'm in not a cult. Anyway, store.roosterteeth.com. I hope you guys have a happy Halloween. The Halloween special is in the bank. We've recorded it. It was awesome. We had a lot of activity. Fredo had all sorts of experiences, finally. This was like so exciting for him. Uh, he's not here right now, but it was it was awesome to see him get some tangible stuff and for the kind of his first time and freak out a little bit. We were on a ghost ship and it was awesome. I caught a little I caught a little piece of a spirit to bring back. I put it in a mason jar. It's the only way to firmly establish a spirit. They're our friend now. Yeah, they're trapped. Anyway, if you want to see that, it is coming out the week before Halloween to give you enough time to indulge in the spirit of the festivities and all that. And uh, that way it's not just like one and done Halloween. Because when November 1 hits, you know, Dia de los Muertos, you want to get a little bit of a seasonal shift. All right. But with that said, let's talk about some of today's fantastic sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by DoorDash. Do you love the convenience of getting what you want? I know you do, Task Force. But how about getting it right to your door? Question mark. I bet you do. With DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or they're going to make it right for you. So sit back, enjoy the quality groceries that come right to your door, just like you picked them out yourself, and let, uh, let somebody else do all the work. You can kind of kick it around home, do some something productive. That's my favorite part. Is like I usually try to be productive. I really appreciate DoorDash because in a pinch, if I get home late and I don't want to cook, I'm tired, and I just want to get into my hobbies, I order a bit of DoorDash. I also really despise the grocery store. I think this task force knows Sucks. that that is the truth. The worst. And so now that DoorDash is also expanded into groceries, oh, I'm here for it. So Task Force, get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use code REDWEB at checkout. Limited time offer terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code REDWEB. Don't forget, code REDWEB. Let them know we sent you. Get 50% off your first order with DoorDash. This episode of REDWEB is also sponsored by Stitch Fix. Are you ready to up your wardrobe game but don't know exactly where to start or even what size you are at some of the trendy online shops? It's time to get yourself a Stitch Fix stylist. Stitch Fix is an easy way to get clothes that fit you without having to endlessly browse through options or break the bank. Think of them as your style partner. Your stylist learns about your tastes and you can collaborate with them on the looks that you love. You can like things and swipe left and right on them. It's almost like a a dating app for clothes. I really, <laughs> I, I really do. I use Stitch Fix and I love that that is so easy because I don't know what other styles are out there. I love that I can message the stylist and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. I don't really need so many button ups. I'm just looking for this type of clothes and I like this person's type of style and they hone it in, makes it super easy. And again, to reiterate the sizing thing, I was super worried that I wasn't sure if like things would come right sized. 
because I always have to go to the mall. I always want to try things on, and then I'm all sweaty in there because it's hot in Texas, and the AC is not bumping. Let's just say that in the changing rooms. So everything has, that's come to me has fit perfectly, whether it be shoes, a shirt, a jacket, shorts. It's all been great, and they always listen to the kind of feedback that I give. They have over 1,000 brands and styles, and they do the work of choosing the best options for you. And if you don't love something, you can send it back. Shipping, returns, and exchanges are always free, and they send you a bag, so returning things are just as easy as putting it back in the bag, zipping it up, putting it into the mailbox, and off it goes again. They make it super easy. And again, I use Stitch Fix. I really do enjoy it. So thanks, Stitch Fix. But if you want to try Stitch Fix today, you can go to stitchfix.com slash redweb, and you're going to get 25% off when you keep everything in your Stitch Fix. And usually, I do. They have just a good selection, and usually they all match together. So you'll get a couple of outfits all in one little nice package. That's stitchfix.com slash redweb. Once again, stitchfix.com slash redweb to get 25% off your first box when you keep everything. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Rocket Card. Are you looking to buy a home? What if every dollar you spent could bring you closer to that dream home? The Rocket Visa Signature Card is the first credit card designed for home ownership. You'll earn rewards on every single purchase from dining out to travel and everything in between. And you can redeem your rewards for up to 5% cash back toward closing costs and a down payment when you buy a home with Rocket Mortgage. Once you purchase a home, you'll earn 2% cash back toward your Rocket Mortgage balance. Apply for the Rocket Visa card today at rocketcard.com redweb to get up to 5% cash back on every purchase towards a new loan with Rocket Mortgage. Again, rocketcard.com redweb for up to 5% cash back towards your new home from Rocket Mortgage when you're approved. Again, rocketcard.com slash redweb. All Rocket Visa signature cards are powered by Deserve and issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank member. FDIC terms and conditions apply. Visit www.rocketcard.com to learn more. And with that, let's get right back into the mystery. Now, for years, the Bell Witch haunting continued to plague the Bells, but especially John Sr., who was at this point growing ill. Kate claimed that she would kill old Jack, as she called him, with her curses one day. It is said that all throughout the farm, she could be heard cursing John Sr. So John Sr. suffered from facial twitching and difficulty swallowing for over a year, and by the fall of 1820, he was bedridden. If he tried to get up and walk, Kate would move his shoes away from him and then slap him across the face. On December 19, 1820, John Sr. fell into a coma, and on the very next day, he passed away. The day after his death, John Jr. found a strange vial with a black liquid in the cupboard. Looking at this black liquid, he couldn't tell what it was, and so in a morbid experiment, he put a few drops of it in the food of the family cat, who ate it and immediately dropped dead. John Jr. decided to then burn the strange vial, and when he tossed it into the fireplace, it burst into blue flames. Now, I looked around a lot, Task Force, you got a lot of buff brains out there. I could use some help, but I couldn't find a black substance, nay, a liquid that would both kill with a few drops that quickly, but also burn with a blue flame. There's like, yeah, so it couldn't have been like some random chemical. Not that I'm able to find anywhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> this, this vial would be the theory there is, you know, it's from Kate in some way, shape, or form. Perhaps. Why is Kate bottling it up like why is Kate squeezing 
her ghoul juice into a vial. Right. And bottling it up and storing it in front of them. Right. We're going to dissect that a little bit more in the theories. Okay. But you start to ask yourself, how did this vial come to play? Who's using it? If it is an actual thing that exists, is it a story? All these things, right? Burns and blue flames, poisonous. Now, four months later, in April of 1821, Kate returned to the Bell Farmhouse to visit Lucy, the mother. The spirit then said that with Betsy's engagement ended and John Sr.'s death under her belt, her purpose was fulfilled and that she was leaving the Bells but would return in seven years' time. As promised, Kate returned in 1828 to visit John Jr., who she mainly discussed life with. I guess she was just catching up with old John Jr. What? But interestingly, and we don't have much more information on this, but the story says that she actually predicted the Civil War. She also claimed that she would return again to the Bell's most direct descendant in 107 years' time. It's unknown if she ever did. And I did try to look it up. Were there any prolific ghost encounters, paranormal encounters, witch encounters in 1935? It could be a descendant that no longer carries the Bell name, but really, it's it's such a crapshoot. There are so many ghost stories out there. But again, Task Force, this is what I love about this podcast, engaging with you all and hearing back from you all. If anybody knows of, an, of a 1935 witch or ghost or paranormal story that is very prolific, that shares anything, any through lines with this story, I would love to dive into it. But otherwise, we don't know. Just imagine Task Force, okay? You're at Task Force HQ. You got your own parking spot, right? You just drank a, a vial a of black gra- liquid, a fresh grass-fed smoothie. You're up in your nicely cooled office next to everybody else. Grass, and I'm like br- grass-fed smoothie. Yeah. Okay. Carry yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> we got. Don't worry. We we're ahead of the game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trend. It's and then and then, <laughs> and then you're, the office is the nice, bright, like Men in Black style. Yeah. You know, Trevor comes down. Or up, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where it's directed. At the, I don't know which floor it is at this point. Whichever he goes up there, and he goes, guys, we need ghost encounters that could be Kate from this year. Have you seen this entity? And I hold yeah. up a blank sheet of paper. And that's where that's where ever the, the the typing of the keyboards goes buck wild. Mm-hmm. And task force is on it. Everyone's clicking and clacking away. Oh, I can picture slanging it. and banging weights, trying to test out these this black vile goo material. What yeah. could be. I like this. That's where you're at, Task Force. Immersive. Get to work. But now I think it is time to dive into the theories. So at one point, when the Bell family was asking who the entity was, it responded back to them, as I mentioned, not only as just Kate, but specifically Kate Bats. This is, of course, how we got the name to be known as Kate, but also why it is called the Witch Haunting and not just a ghost or supernatural entity haunting. So Bats was an actual person. Bats lived in the same settlement along the Red River and was married to Frederick Bats. It was believed that Bats may have been attacking the Bell family with her witchcraft. She was believed to have practiced witchcraft and or black magic due to her loud, supposedly aggressive manner of speaking and eccentricity. Some sources claim that Bats even made up stories for attention. A lot of things to claim about a woman I don't know. Yeah. But reportedly, Frederick Batts' brother, Benjamin, had a disagreement with Bell Sr. over the sale of a slave. Rumors changed the story to suggest that the argument was actually between Kate and John Sr., though Kate herself argued that this was not the case. The story goes on that 
they would get even in death or that Bats would haunt him. Turns out that Kate Bats actually outlived John Sr. by 22 years, which, if you believe this theory, is why we open the door to the idea of it being a witch haunting, that she outlived him, but she was casting her voice through the air, essentially, uh, haunting him and his kind of farmhouse. The thing, though, is just like, this seems to be a very vivid interaction mm -hmm. with like the Bats family. Yeah. So I don't know how John wouldn't say that. You know what I mean? Right. At that point, you know who it is that's haunting you. Yeah, it does seem like they have a very direct if, connection. Yeah, if we're going with this theory, then it's like, I've met this person. This person's either haunting me or this person is a witch. And they're terrorizing me. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's a good point. Pragmatically speaking, you'd think that if this was an active rumor at that time, that John Sr. would be like, all right, let's, can we just talk this out? Let's go back to the arguing and less yeah. about the sheets and banging. But there's a few wrinkles in this theory. There's no real evidence that Bats ever argued with John Sr. or that she practiced the occult at all. Again, these are just rumors. And on top of that, the spirit herself supposedly denied being involved with Bats soon after she said it was her name. So it's almost like she picked a name of someone nearby, but then, kind of like stories we talked about before, recanted that part and was like, well, I know I said my name was Kate Bats, but I, I'm not really at all involved with this Bats family. This is a very vivid, clear, and concise spectral energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't get much of that. This oh, one no, is just like very conscious of its thoughts and feelings and is very cerebral. Yeah. In a, in a sense. Absolutely. And I think that itself adds so much weight to the idea of it being witchcraft. Again, uh, yeah. opening your mind to that um, at that time, especially people being very worried about it, being a lot more religious-minded. Salem witchcraft trials not too far in their back history. It's interesting because then you can start to realize, oh, well, if it is somebody messing with the occult, it could be them doing this stuff from afar. Maybe that is why it's so reactive. But you're right. It is a totally different level of story than most ghost stories we encounter. But regardless of this being Kate Bats or a different Kate Bats or whatever, the name Kate is what remained with the community and is what history refers to the spirit as, of course. Another theoretical culprit, though, for the Bell Witch Haunting was another Red River community member, Richard Powell. So Powell was Betsy's former school teacher and was said to have wanted to marry her when she got older. Creepy. Oh. Yeah. It is said that he summoned a spirit to attack the Bell family in order to dissuade Betsy from marrying Gardner, which apparently did in fact happen. So if this was Powell, he was successful in that. Powell was said to practice the occult, ventriloquism, and horticulture, which kind of hits all the things. Yeah, I was about to say. Even if you throw the occult out the window, he could be, if he's a ventriloquist, obviously that's more of a manipulating a puppet while keeping your mouth still, but if he's on site, he could essentially throw his voice yeah. to somebody who wouldn't know better. He looks like he's not speaking, yet they hear someone's voice. And then if he knows horticulture, you could start to think, okay, maybe this black goo in this vial is some sort of poison that he knows of because he knows plants. And then you throw on the rumor of occultism on top of that, and then you kind of have a perfect candidate. Yeah, I mean, it kind of checks a lot of boxes there. Fits nicely into a lot of angles of the story. I will say, though, 
I mean, that means he had to be everywhere at all times projecting his voice. Right, right. <laughs> and then kind of sneaking into the house. Yeah, also, yeah, exactly. Off, and then get back outside to bang, but then also run away in the dark. Mm -hmm. Man, this is a very active person. Yeah. It's a nine-to-five job right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a teacher. Maybe he was buff enough to, like, rig up some Rube Goldbergian-style, like, contraptions. Mac MacGyvered with, a bunch of stuff. A bunch of fish wire and hooks. Yeah. You know, he's just puppeting... Uh, he's a ventriloquist. Maybe he's puppeting the sheets off. Okay, let's keep it grounded, everyone. So, when it comes to Powell, he even reportedly publicly complained about Betsy's engagement, despite being married himself. So, if the rumors are true... Weird guy. Very weird. Very problematic, I would say. But if the rumors are true, this guy is creating himself like a very likely culprit story, right? Like, you're loudly complaining about the things... That the ghost is also complaining about and targeting Betsy for. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a weird thing. I mean, again, this is older times, so things were different, unfortunately, Yeah, uh, for the worst. But, like, stuff like that nowadays would not fly. <laughs> yeah. It was me, essentially, is what he's saying. Right, right. Now, there is an interesting note here, because if it was Powell, the hauntings continued after Betsy called off the engagement. So that kind of shakes yes, the motive a little right. bit. But interestingly enough, Betsy did eventually marry Powell. So if that was his motive, he made it happen. And then they left the Red River community together in 1820. This is the same year that John Sr. passed away and the same year that the hauntings ceased. I mean, obviously, the spirit oh, said it would come back my. in seven years, one, but... Yeah, one, creepy, but two... Damn, that does add a little weight to that. Yeah. yeah so they, yeah, yeah. They, they did end up getting together. Weird. Very weird. It's very weird. Very coincidental on some timing. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of stuff that oddly adds up. Yeah. Not a lot of depth, not a lot of detail, but the things that are there. Yeah. Lot to chew on. Now, before we dive into kind of our biggest theory, I want to indulge the idea of this being a genuine ghost story, but broadening. I mean, we talked about Kate Batts. We talked about Richard Powell. This is more addressing it as a broad theory without any particular person behind this, because some believe that the Bells were still very much haunted, maybe just by some other spirit that claimed these names. In fact, many believe that the haunting continues to this very day in the Red River area. People from all around the world continue to visit the Bell Witch Cave the only remaining original feature from this story. The house is gone, the kind of anything that they had seen is gone, but the cave is a natural structure and it's still there. And this cave itself has a story that I didn't talk about before. And it involves Betsy, who would often go to this cave, like a brave one, and play around inside. I would hope that the mouth of the cave was well lit, because I, I, as a kid, terrifying. Yeah. Caves all over Indiana. But in one story, it is said that while playing in this cave with a friend of hers, the friend got stuck, at which point a disembodied voice called out saying, quote, I'll get him out, and did so before then lecturing the kids on exploring the cave. So some believe that whoever this entity is, that there is just a ghost roaming this area, and that when the ghost finally left the bells alone, it might have just simply moved to the cave. So suffice to say, visitors to this very day continue to share and tell stories of the witnessing of paranormal events here at the Bell Witch Cave. Maybe someday we can go stomping around. Um, no, I'm good. Spending nights in caves, you know?
That's a whole nother thing. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you take take ghosts out of the equation. We gotta be out in the cold, sleeping bags, sleeping on rocks. Yeah, cozying up to the stalactites and stalagmites. Oh, oh, sounds terrible. Bats. Now, with that said, let's talk about a more modern theory that tries to look back on everything shared through the various different sources, the various different stories, and tries to pull it all together. So, a modern theory behind the Bell Witch Haunting suggests that the Bell family were actually poisoned somehow, and that this caused all of their paranormal experiences. Dr. Megan Mann, professor of chemistry at Austin P. State University, has been researching this theory and told the Tennessean that, quote, John Seniors talked about all of these strange medical symptoms he was having, and a lot of them sounded very neurological to me, as someone who knows a bit about things like biochemistry and toxicology. So John Sr.'s symptoms appeared to coincide with heavy metal poisonings, which led Dr. Mann to believe that he was poisoned over the course of three years with arsenic. Oh, that's intense. Mm -hmm. But that type of stuff unfortunately happens. Does happen. And it only gets more grounded as we go on. It's, it's like the leaded gas of their time. It's like the plastic of their time. You know what I mean? So arsenic poisoning causes symptoms including nausea, vomiting, shortness of breath, and a sore throat abnormal heart rate, low blood pressure, the feeling of pins and needles, a garlic-like odor, long-term exposure can cause things like skin lesions, a change in skin color, or even cancer, and in extreme cases, arsenic can cause hallucinations. So we've had a lot of these things. Talk about the witch hunter, even though he was only there for one night, he was claiming that he was feeling painful pins and needles all over his body. We talked about Betsy having fainting spells, we have John Sr., who was obviously bedridden, was obviously ill, but he was struggling with breathing. And of course, if you want to take it at face value for the poisoning theory, hallucinations all across the family and everybody that came in. Almost within this, before I continue down this theory, if the ghost liked Lucy, and Lucy didn't have any negative encounters, and this black vial is stored in their wardrobe, the parents' wardrobe, and everybody that came in probably eight at this house, this poisoning is very gently orbiting Lucy. Yeah. Is Lucy poisoning everybody? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, then who's poisoning? Yeah. I guess like Lucy then, right? Yeah. That's just what my gut says before I continue, obviously, reading along my notes and things. But according to man, arsenic could have caused the blue flames as well as been the ingredient that killed the cat in an almost immediate sense. It was also a very common poison in the 19th century, and it was pretty much in everything. I had no idea about this, but according to an 1860 edition of the American Journal of the Medical Sciences, it was in wallpaper, carpeting, makeup, toys, clothing, insecticide, candles, and even candy. What? Yeah. Arsenic alone was easily available in grocery stores. So if it was, hold on, if it was a common poisoning agent, why was it also a common ingredient? What was the positive of arsenic then? Like, why would it be in toys? Listen, even lead tastes very sweet. Even asbestos is a really good insulator. It's like... Damn. Yeah, what is the upside to arsenic? Very quick cursory Google. It was used uh, medicinally or as a pigmentation for dyes. Okay, so it has um, uses, but I don't I mean... So it's like dyes. food coloring? So then that's how it'd be like in... 
candy and toys then. Yeah. So it's, so it's dyeing all of your toys and clothes and carpets and walls. Jesus. And, kids be sucking on toys got arsenic on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think it's like the lead of its time. I know. And our time is what, plastics? Oh, yeah. And we're all kind of... We got microplastics. Oh, yeah. Oh. We're all about 10% plastic now. Uh, <laughs> what do you say with the... Like you're happy. <laughs> we're on the way. <laughs> we are elevating ourselves to beyond the flesh. Because <laughs> how do you even get past that? The plastics today. I don't know. History poses the question, though. Coming back to the idea of arsenic poisoning, who could have poisoned the family has long since been up for debate. Our gut instinct starts to, like, point a finger. Obviously, I don't know all the details about all the things, but, like, there's some some shared pieces here and there that kind of shine a light. But man, Dr. Man suggests someone who didn't like the family or their slaves may have done this. In fact, it was actually common for slaves to slowly poison their enslavers, particularly with arsenic as it was widely available. However, as mentioned earlier, some of the enslaved people on the property also reported paranormal encounters themselves. Though it is again worth saying that they themselves could have been making it up. It's, you know, you can point fingers left and right. It's hard to figure out who's making up stories to say, no, 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 I'm also encountering the paranormal. I'm also terrified. Or who is kind of... Yeah, again, I, Lucy's yeah. having a great time with this spirit. Yeah, Lucy's like, she's, she's getting just fine. Also, you just don't know, like, if it's something that everyone's eating on the property. Yes, 100%. Like you were saying earlier. Can you check to see if arsenic is naturally occurring in any fruits, vegetables, or plants, Christian? Based on what I'm reading... Arsenic does naturally occur in soil, but because arsenic was also common in insecticides and other chemicals used on farmland, it would basically increase the amount that was already in the soil naturally. And then fruits, Got vegetables, it. plants could absorb that. It's also worth saying that there are some fruit juices like apple juice, pear juice, grape juice that do naturally contain some very, very low amounts of arsenic just naturally. Mm in the fruit itself but it seems like a majority of it comes from uh, natural occurring natural occurrence in the soil and then presence in pesticides insecticides etc that are used in farming that's wild so now i'm just picturing you know someone out there doing their laundry and then they go well i don't want to waste this water let me just water the garden with this like like there's dyes in it now from the clothes yeah. there's whatever they then water the fruits and vegetables or whatever then they eat that fruit Oh, you can, yeah, you can start to see how maybe they just were accidentally poisoning themselves. That's a wild theory. Whoa. Now, unfortunately, though, when it comes to the idea of this poisoning theory, it's, it's well-grounded, makes a whole lot of sense. It's, it's possible. Um, but with how many years have passed, there's no way to truly confirm. You can't really exhume the bodies and do an autopsy and see if arsenic is latent in the body. Maybe bones, but I don't know if we even know where the bodies are anymore. So ultimately, this theory, while it makes sense, is going to be nigh impossible to test with history as long as it has been. But those are the theories. I don't know. Fredo, what do you think? What is standing out to you between a couple of these like, oh, that makes sense. This makes sense too. I mean, uh, oddly enough, the poisoning maybe. Yeah. Like if that's something that was like, you have to believe that it was stored in a vial, right, in the house. But that, if you, yeah, if, if you, if you yeah. get past that, then, yeah, 
I would say just arsenic maybe was the thing. But, I mean, they had people staying over. I guess they were, yeah, they'd eat there. Yeah. They'd probably, especially like during those times, right? Like you're not Uber eating or anything like that. Like you travel there, you're eating there. Yeah, yeah. So you'd probably have supper there and then maybe it would, you start hallucinating. Like that's, yeah. I dude. don't know, but if it was so apparent in everything, would there be a higher tolerance to some extent i don't know yeah. like my mind's spiraling now yeah it's hard to say and you're, and you're right with the again and you have to trust that a few of the pieces of the story are authentic and yep. stable because that's what you want to lean on so again it's hard to say if the vial was a thing or not but if it was you you start to go okay this does feel then like a less of an accidental thing and more of a someone's doing something purposeful because this was a known thing that was there mm -hmm. my mind now is starting to rattle around with the idea of like and this is totally it's probably not like a, a likely thing but imagine now that you're doing all this clothes washing dye naturally bleeds out you collect all this water and you distill it down like what if you boiled it down to get rid of all the water so you condensed it down onto the dye which you know has arsenic in it would you i don't know if you'd end up with a goo at the end of that or a powder but i'm just wondering it would be black in color because all the various dyes mixed together would probably make something dark because yeah. all pigments combined makes a black versus all light combined all different colors of light combined is white i don't know if you know that mm. but um that that's just something that like came to mind in a in a brief moment i don't know if that's practical but like that would be a yeah. really roundabout way to like tracelessly accrue a concentrated source of arsenic start putting food dye excuse me clothes dye in that food I, but what's what's the motive i don't know if it's someone within the family we're really lacking a motive but if it's something someone on the property grudges to be had yeah. for sure wild one it is a wild one that's a good one and the theories are also interesting and grounded in their own way task force i gotta leave this one to you let us know what you think on social at red web pod or if you follow us on tiktok someone parked it for us won't relinquish it it's at the red web that's right you got called out Ooh. <laughs> also how many rounds you going with this ghost oh let us know let us know imagine apple reviews start pouring in going Absolutely all nine rounds. Yeah. Someone, someone's, someone's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Out in the first. Out in the first. Yeah. Me. <laughs> me out in the first. I'm out. <laughs> I just want to see all the Apple reviews of how many rounds of... Uh, yeah. and just, people are going to look at the reviews and go, I don't understand. People are just talking about how many rounds they're going to box. Right, 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 right. They go, listen, love the podcast. Five rounds. Five rounds. Like, five, rounds. five rounds. Good to hear that the podcast is good, but what what is this five rounds business? What is this get jiggy with it? What is this save Christian business? Yeah. No <laughs> <laughs> but all right task force thank you guys so much for listening and always supporting the show whether it be in sharing us with word of mouth to help increase the task force and get it get these mysteries out there sharing people to chat with or becoming a first member as i mentioned at the top there's a lot of benefits going on for first members and i, I only scratch the surface if you want to read more about what those benefits are and how they support this show 100 directly go to roosterteeth.com slash sign up to learn more Obviously, we got store.roosterteeth.com and ooh, October right around the corner. That means we're going to dive into some really spooky topics, but also the Halloween special is on the way. Can't wait to share it with you all. With that said, Fredo, see you right back here next Monday for yet another mystery. 4,999 reviews, not a single more. <laughs>
<laughs> Could you imagine if we do stop there? <laughs> right on the dime. Everyone starts going, hold! <laughs> hold! <laughs>